This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech fan number 17. It's Tim Robertson with TechFan once again. Coming, well, not live. I guess live from your hard drive. That'd be about right, wouldn't it, Owen? Live from your... Like last... You know, like yesterday's show, I should say. Owen Rubin, once again, we're back in the hotel room. It's been a... You know, Owen, I gotta say, this is probably the first Macworld Expo where we actually spent the entire day together. So, that was... It was fun. It was a good... And if you guys listen to my Mac podcast number 334, the one that we did before this, that's part one. This is part two, continuing coverage. 334, you're going to hear a lot of segments that you, Owen's looking at his phone now. Did you, like, put it on vibrate or something? It's getting hot. It's because the battery's charging in. Mr. Genius over here. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there I I used to work in Apple. So, you did a lot of segments from the showroom floor. Yeah, that's and that's and, and and that's different for you. I personally think you did a good job. Now the listeners can listen to again three thirty four the mymac dot com podcast and hear it. But what's your take of what you saw on the floor, and what was your take of doing interviews? By the way, we've got someone else here, and we'll bring him in in a second. I'm going to keep him waiting because it makes him nervous. So that's a great thing to do. So it was a lot of fun because I've never actually do what. <laughs> it was <laughs> Tim's waving his hands frantically over there. Um, it was very fun to actually do that because I saw the show from a different point of view. I actually got to stick the mic in people's faces this time and ask some questions. And so it made me see some product a little closer than I would normally look. We saw some great stuff, which I think you're going to talk about tomorrow's podcast from uh, from from uh, <laughs> from, do- from Doctor. I'm on the right channel from Doctor Bot. So you're going to talk about some of that stuff tomorrow too. Uh, we saw some cool things down there, a little closer. So yeah, it was a. And you're right. It's the first time I think I've walked the, spent the whole day walking the floor with you. So that was a lot of fun. I had a great time. And you know, here's the thing about the MacWorld Expo. You, you do it for years and years, and you think, you know, I've met everybody in this industry at this point. I know there's that one guy. It's like a high school reunion. You just know everybody, and you're high-fiving the first day, and the last day you're like, ugh, I'm getting sick of seeing that guy. Um, but this time was a little bit different. I actually met someone new. This is going to sound really gay, but it's not, I swear. Not that there's anything wrong with, that. Wrong with that. But but we brought him back to the hotel. His name's Ira. He is, uh, you know what, Ira? Let, let's start at the beginning. Um, you're a tech guy, obviously. Now, I'm going to have to hand the mic to you. Usually, you'd have your own mic, and we could have more of a casual conversation. So I'm going to literally hand you the mic, and you've got to talk into it like this. And when I reach my hand out, that means hand it back. Um, and then when I do this, you go that way. Or don't. Or don't, yeah. And you go, it's my show now. Um, what, first of all, Ira is interested in podcasting. So that's really the reason I wanted to bring him back here so he can see how a podcast is actually recorded and then how it's, yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and stick that on my computer over there, Owen. Uh, as you can see, it's kind of casual. Um, but Ira, this is the tech fan podcast, so you have to be a fan of technology. So I'm curious, what was the one thing that you bought when you were much younger, not that you're an old man or anything, but when you were much younger that kind of sparked your interest in technology? So I'm going to hand you the mic so... Everybody listen, if you hear these little pauses, not that he's thinking about it, it's because we're handing mics around the table. I think what got me into, into the business, I think what got me into the business was uh, I fell in love with an Apple II Plus. Yeah. And uh, it, it intrigued me. And uh, of course, I couldn't afford to buy one at the time. But I, I found a guy selling one in a, uh, a local paper, a, new, a penny saver. And it was a used Apple II Plus. No monitor, no disk drive, no nothing. He sold just the computer he would sell to me for twelve hundred dollars. Wow. So I, I mowed a lot of lawns that summer <laughs> and cleaned a lot of leaves that fall. And my uh dad drove me to the, the guy's house and I bought this Apple II computer and my dad thought I was a little crazy, but I needed something to a monitor. 
So I bought an RF modulator. I had a 12-inch black and white TV. And uh, my mom had a cassette recorder. And I programmed on my Apple II. When I, um, you know, I think the first stuff that I really did was out of a, a magazine called Creative Computing Magazine. I remember that. And the last pages were uh, uh, programs. And I think we typed in the entire ELISA program, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, which was an, a, you know, an artificial intelligence. Well, at back then was artificial intelligence. I think it still would be now if it's on a computer. <laughs> well, it, it was pre-pro. It was, yeah, it was very pre-programmed, but uh, that's where I started out in the in, in in the business. I fell in love. I still have that Apple II uh, to this day, and it actually still works. You still have the Apple II. That's awesome that you still have it. Going a little bit beyond that, what was the second computer? Because you get the Apple II, and you start, and then after a while, it's like, yeah, I've had this for a while. Now it's time to move up. Do you remember the next computer? I think I skipped over the next computer, which was the Apple III. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people. <laughs> awesome. um, uh, I always wanted a 2E or a 2C, but I stuck with the 2 until uh, uh, the big one came out, which was uh, the Mac 128. And that was uh, the thing that really ignited my interest uh, in this business and uh, hacking away at that 128 with that one disk drive that I think only stored 400K, right? right? Um, And there was no, really, there was nothing, no hard drive back then or anything until some company, I think it was called General, no, General Computing or General General Hyperdrive. It was Hyperdrive. And it was five megabytes, was it? Right, and they and you had to, of course, avoid the Apple warranty, you and you had to open the box, and you had to install this thing in there, and uh, that's that really that was the big thing back then. Did you break your monitor? Uh, no, I didn't. I never break. I, I did. I did once open the back of a monitor and touched the wrong spot and shot out into a back of a wall. That was that wasn't fun. So you figure that was 1984, 1985. Um, in some respects, I mean, I was 15 years old uh, in 85. So I look back, and it seems like a long time ago. But in real-world terms, that wasn't a long time. If you saw a 1985 car drive by, it doesn't look like a Model T. You know what I mean? So in real-world terms, that's not a whole long time ago. Could you imagine then playing with the, the 128K Macintosh? Actually, it was just called Macintosh. You know, they didn't call it the 128K. It was just Macintosh. Um, could you imagine something like, I'm going to say the iPad or the, the what is it, the, seven, or the 11-inch MacBook Air? Could you imagine that much computer and just right there? Or, hell, even your iPhone. Look at your iPhone. It's, it's more powerful by an order of magnitude than a computer just 10 years ago. Right, so, right, exactly. So what are you using now? I know you're not just like a big Mac guy. So what are you using for your desktop machine nowadays or your laptop? I use, I use a lot of different machines on a daily basis. Um, I, I am cross, a cross-platform kind of person. So uh, I did eventually when Windows XP came out, I kind of migrated a little bit over to XP because it was a very stable system. Uh, but my house is a, uh, uh, I think that many homes nowadays have moved into a multi-platform, multi-device type of house. So I would say, and I know this is weird saying this, but I have nine computers in my house. That's not, that's not, wait, 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 let me do this with That's all? That's all? <laughs> so, I've got nine computers in one room. <laughs> there's... There's a computer in almost every single room except the bathrooms. Um, and I would put one in there, but I think I'd get into trouble for that. <laughs> That's what the iPad's for. <laughs> That's true. That is true. But I think that, I mean, if you look back, there was actually a company back then that did come out with a notebook or a small computer, and that was actually Radio Shack. No, Radio no it was Radio Shack. The TRS-80. The, the Notebook 100. Wasn't it a TRS-80? Nope. It was a Notebook 100. Uh, maybe it said TRS-80 100. 
and I still have that to this day. Um, and the, and it was uh, had a small little screen on it, and of course it was all text. There was no graphics to it. It was just a bunch Remind of ASCII. Me. I'm going to jump over here. Remind me, you could draw graphics if you drew them in text characters. Yes. Yes. ANSI. Yes. ANSI yes. You did. You did have, and it. You know, you had some characters in there and everything that looked like graphics, and you can do some certain things with it. Um, and I, back then, I think the big thing to use that for was a. Uh, a program called Multiplan, which was the Visi Calc, you know, before Excel and and that kind of stuff. And uh, I bought one of those, and uh, you know, I kept hacking away. I mean, you had a modem and that you can get for that, and you could use it online. And it was it was very awkward. They actually came out with one of the first laptops too, although you can say that to a degree, Adam Osborne came out with a. Osborne, but those were more like suitcases, those on the K Pro 2s, right? One of the, of course, the um, Tyke fans part of the MyMac.com network of podcasts. And I get questions still to this day how did you start MyMac? Because it's been going on since 1995. And at the time. Tim, how did you start MyMac? <laughs> One of the things, do you remember DocMaker? It was a Macintosh-only program, precursor to Adobe Photoshop, or Adobe Acrobat. Um, DocMaker, D-O-C-K Maker. And it was what I used to create my Mac to begin with. It was an application that would create another application. And the reason that I wanted it is because you could do like page layout very simply. So the graphics are where they are. So I could basically make a magazine and publish myself. So I uploaded them to AOL, eWorld, and more importantly for this conversation, a lot of Mac-centric BBS systems, one of which you used to run a Mac BBS, or was it a Mac BBS or just a BBS? It was an, it was an Apple II. So how did you get into the BBS days? And explain, I know what a BBS, everyone knows it, but not everyone listens to it. We say BBS, they're thinking, is it some kind of a, like a BB gun or something? So explain what a BBS is and how you got into it. A, a, a BBS is a bulletin board system, and uh, you would have menus and people would log in. Of course, there was no real internet then, so uh, I had a phone number, and of course only one person can go in at a time. Unless you had more than one phone. I only had one phone coming into that Apple too. Chicago BBS had six phone lines six, at one point, did. and it was awesome. I don't think my parents would have allowed six phone lines come into the house at the time. Uh, and people would dial in, and I would sit there watching the screen as I interacted and posted different things. And we had some, actually, if I'm not mistaken, we actually had Eliza built into the BBS so someone could go in and play Eliza. Red Dragon. Yep. And... Uh, Yep, there was uploading and downloading of the files, and everyone came in, and back then everybody had their handles, and no one used their real names, and, and uh, it, it was very interesting. We wrote the whole thing in uh, Apple Basic, and uh, people would log in. It was a lot of fun, and a lot of, it was a great experience. So why, why did you get into it, though? I mean, that's how you did it, but what was, I have to get on, what was the, that behind that? There was a guy, I can't really remember what it was called. It was in Westchester, New York, that ran a BBS. And I used to use it a lot. And I think he had multiple lines going, two or three lines. So there was a few people on there at a time. And I really, the name just, I cannot remember it. Um, and I think it was just, I was a young kid. It was a way, in a sense, to meet all these people all over the United States that would be calling into this BBS, and you'd be interacting with them, and you kind of make friends with them. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was the internet. I mean, it's what it is, what you see today, but today it's a massive scale. It's not someone just dialing and using a telephone. So we're going to take a quick break to give the iPhone that we're actually recording this on the iPhone and and no I am in I'm air pair I I'm ahead of where we were at this point yesterday on so don't worry but we do need to take a break I want to pop a commercial in here for the rest of the network the MyMac network and we'll be right back. Hey, my Mac listeners, Sam Levin here from App Minute, the ultimate, ultimate source for app news and information. 
cool things about all your iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, Android, anything that connects to those devices, we're all over it. And in less than two minutes, you can get your fix from atminute.com. Check it out today. It's a free podcast. You can listen live under your browser or via iTunes. Check it out today at atminute.com. And we're back on Tech Fan once again. We're still sitting here with Ira, Ira. Ira. <laughs> and what? What's your name again? Oh, oh, Fred. Fred, Fred Ziffel. Fred, Fred Ziffel. And um, this is kind of funny because I just met Ira tonight. Literally, what three hours ago tops? And he was sitting there talking about a company that you owned. You owned the company, or you were part of the company uh, called Siberian Outpost. And, of course, Owen knows that riled me up sitting at this table. And I said, oh, I, ha- I was so ticked off at this company. So I went through the story. And the story was I called them. They were an advertiser in, in My Mac magazine. And I never got a dime from them. Never. And I was on the, some affiliate program. And so I, I, call, I called up Siberian Outpost. And I'm like, hey, I haven't, I've never got any money from you. And the person I talked to said, well, I'm not showing you know, any activity that anybody's followed a link from your site to buy anything. So I thought, okay, that's, it probably happened. It, it, that's fair, fine. Again, this was 97, 98 in that area. But the, you know, after a while, Owen, it kind of all starts blending together those years. Um, yeah, and we'll get into the expo, too. We'll, we're going to talk about more of that here in a minute. The okay. Macworld Expo, this place that we're in San Francisco for. Well, you live here, but I don't. And about a month later... Um, and my aunt Darlene wants to buy a whole bunch of stuff for her brand new Macintosh because I had just got her into it. Uh, basically, she had been a PC user, and I was always helping her tech support. You know how you're the tech support in your whole family, right? Of course you are. And I finally told all my relatives, if it's not a Mac, I'm not helping you with your computer anymore. I bought a Mac, so I didn't have to deal with that crap. I'm not dealing with your crap. So I got her into a Mac. She was real happy. All of a sudden, she wants to buy a scanner. She wants to buy a printer. She wants to buy this, that. Double up the RAM. And then on top of that, buy Ram Doubler. <laughs> I mean, just go crazy. She spent almost $2,000. Speed Doubler. So she literally clicked the link from MyMac.com to Siberian Outposts, ordered all this on her credit card, paid for it, checked out, everything, done. So about a month later, I call Siberian Outpost, and I said, I, st- I still haven't seen any money. And the person I talked to, and it was the same person, he said... Uh, yeah, I, I'm. St- I don't see that anybody's purchased anything through, you know, your site. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the next day, I took down Siberian Outposts graphics and everything, and I was. I'm never dealing with them again. Ira, do I blame you for all that? <laughs> you know, I guess uh, I could. I should take the blame. I mean, but, uh, but. <laughs> I, I feel. I feel. <laughs> I am definitely paying for it, but I did not have check writing capabilities back then or responsibilities. Oh, now tell me, you did offer to write him one now? I did. I promised. I said I would offer uh, uh, if he can figure it out. I would. I would write him out a check now. I suppose. Um, uh, I would like to say, if uh, Bob, if you're listening to this, I can't believe you put me in this position. Because um, I know he spoke to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely got it. You definitely got it. But we had quite a, it was quite a company back then. And if you think about it, I mean, the, the, the tracking and everything else that you uh, are complaining about was really in its infancy back then. And, and everything was really new. I mean, I remember the days where we first put an animated GIF on the homepage and Customers called us up screaming and yelling that, the, that it was taking too long to download. And it, it was really, I mean, it was really an interesting time. And we, a lot of this stuff was really experimental. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Amazon didn't exist there. I mean, you guys were the precursor to Amazon. I, I was curious. I don't know. I'm not even sure when they went out of business. Were they bought out or were they a victim of the whole, we like to say the internet bubble, it kind of existed, but it's not like it popped and everything disappeared. Just a lot of companies did at roughly the same time, but I don't really consider it a bubble. It was just kind of a reset button, if nothing else. You actually had to have a business plan after that. So whatever happened to Siberian Outpost? 
It went public, um, and right around the IPO, I had left the company. So uh, there were people running the company, and it, uh, I think it was a victim of just the whole internet dot com boom and 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 bust. But it never went out of business. Uh, it was actually sold off, and and, and Fry's purchased it. And uh, by that time, it was not really Siberian Outpost. It was Outpost dot com. And Fry's picked it up and ran it with, as Outpost for quite a long time, from what I understand, and eventually changed it to Fry's.com. And uh, it, really, it exists today. I think if you go to Outpost.com, you'll go to Fry's.com. I'm not sure. I, I don't really go to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So looking back, and now you keep saying that you, st and you had this computer, and you still have it, and you had that computer, and you still have it. So you have the same disease as I do. Uh, you have a big garage. I have a big basement. and, and But actually... Uh, people listening to this know that I'm the COO of Mac Specialist, and I actually took three of my old machines, a Plus, a Classic, and the original 128K, and I have them sitting on a shelf in our Chicago facility, and it's a great conversation piece. People will come in and look at them and go, oh, my God, and they all still work. That's the thing. I can boot any one of them up. I don't leave them on because screen burn-in and all that, and our electric bill would probably triple. <laughs> but looking back on all the machines, other than the current ones that you own, because that's too easy, looking back on all the machines that you've owned, what were your one or two favorite computers of all time? Or maybe not its computers, maybe gadgets even. Maybe it was a Newton. Maybe it was a Palm. Maybe it was a, a 56 Global Village modem. You know? <laughs> what was your favorite gadget or computer? I think that uh, to this day... My favorite computer will still be my old Apple II Plus, and I love that computer. Um, I think to this day, I, I would I boot it up every once in a while. I have a friend of mine from high school that comes over every once in a while, and we'll boot it up and we'll place Crisis Mountain or Hard Hat Mac on it. We still have the five and a quarter inch discs, and they still seem to work. Do you have color now? Uh, well, I, I the color monitor broke. So the only thing I have left, believe it or not, and it still works, is an NEC green monitor. Oh, my God, okay. And uh, that, that still works. How would you know that it broke? <laughs> Those monitors, you couldn't tell. And then I had also have, yeah, I have the old Apple drive, but I always had bought, I bought that second disk drive, because, you know, you always had to have a second disk drive. I got the Reina disk drive, which gave me an extra 5K of storage. That's huge. I still have that stuff. You just press that button and you got that extra 5K. I think the second gadget that I really liked, and uh, people are going to kill me for saying this, would probably be my Newton. Uh, to this day, I think that uh, the Newton had some technologies in it that don't exist uh, even now. I mean, the, the handwriting recognition is uh, still something that's pretty amazing. Eventually it became good. The, the first iteration wasn't so good. Yeah, but it was really... Which Newton do you have? Uh, well, I had the 100 when it first came out, but uh, that one has since disappeared. I, I only have a 120 now. That's the one with the fold-up cover? Yep, it has a fold-up cover. I, I wasn't the, is it a Newton 2000? Yeah, I've got, yes, I've got the bigger one, and it's still in the box. It's still in the box. It, no, it is not shrink-wrapped. Even if it was when I got it, of course, I would have taken it out of the store. Oh, i got to look at it. So have we asked you this question, Tim, what, well, your, what your favorite two gadgets are? It's hard for me to say gadgets because, Things as you know, technology, as you know, I was an audiophile before I was into computers. And boom boxes were a big thing for me growing up. And so I had this boom box that I got for one Christmas one year, and it had detachable speakers. And if I put it just below one, my parents couldn't hear it. But if I put it right next to my head, it was loud. So I, I remember laying in my bed, 14 years old, with this boombox going and listening to Purple Rain, Prince, the whole album. And it's really, really loud, better than headphones, right there, waiting for my mom and dad to wake, in, wake up. But that eventually broke the speaker. It had detachable speakers. Eventually, the speakers wouldn't sit on it. It broke, and I threw it away. Okay, That leads me up to about two or three years ago. I'm browsing for something totally different on eBay. And what do I see? This Panasonic boombox from the 80s for like $6 plus $12 shipping. It costs more to ship it than this thing's worth. And I'm looking at it, and my heart starts fluttering. I swear to God. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my old. And I bought it. But the more I looked at the picture, the more I thought, I don't, I don't think that's it. So then it arrives a week later. I'm really near. I open it up, pull it out. 
it's exactly the same. My handle had broke. It had it was perfect. It was in perfect condition. To this day, it's sitting on top of my shelf right next to my all-time favorite, which kind of ties into your past. My all-time favorite gadget because it meant so much to me. And John Herta had it for six months before me, and he wouldn't let me play it. And, oh, and John, I'm still pissed off at you of this. It was the Atari 2600 with Pac-Man, and it was the worst version of Pac-Man ever. Arr, 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 arr. It was terrible. I can tell you stories. I thought it was great. I, it was terrible, but at the time, it was great. And I got, and you can get it at home, and that was the thing. Now, was it, I was got, it the first yes, version of Pac-Man? Yes, was it was the first version. So I, I get the Atari 2600, and I'm so excited, and I hook it up to the TV, and I can actually play video games without blowing an entire week's worth of an allowance in 10 minutes at the arcade. I didn't have to go to Pyramid Pizza to play Pac-Man anymore. It's right here on my television. So the Atari 2600 and that boombox, by far, favorite gadgets of all time. So you see, I guess you could say the Atari 2600, it was it was a computer gaming system is how it was advertised. So I guess you could say that was computer, but it, yeah, it really wasn't. And in fact, it had the same processor as the original Macintosh. Um, yeah, go ahead. You going to want to say something? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, when you asked me that question a while ago, I hadn't thought about hi-fi and stuff. So I would have to agree with you. The Atari 2600, I worked at Atari when it yeah, came out. I so I had one earlier. And I, I brought up on your webpage to show you uh, a friend of mine, Kurt Vendel, I think his name is, has made something called the Atari VCS Flashback. And it's kind of a miniature-looking VCS, it. and it's got all the games pre-programmed inside. So you push it. You don't have to put a cartridge or anything oh, in it. Good. It's about that. It's a little tiny, small version. He, Tim was holding up his hands, as you could see in the video. Uh, twice, the, <laughs> twice the length of an iPhone. Right, and it's but it's got all the games programmed into it. So you just keep pressing the select button, and you can go through this huge menu of all the VCS cartridge games. And it even has games in it that never were made into cartridges. Yeah, a, 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 a couple of mine. So games that I did, like Space Duel, were never in 2600. So if you had added stereo, then I had to go back to my very first stereo my cousin gave me, which was a small little stereo and speakers. And my parents hated it because they couldn't stand it. And so my dad bought me a pair of Koss headphones, these fluid-filled head. And you could put them on, and I could listen to the music really loud. And I still own them. I still have that original pair. There's no fluid left in them. So I think that was like one of my favorite gadgets of all times. And I forgot when you said computers last time, but gadgets, I have to put that first stereo I got when I was 14 years old or something. So that's what tech fans kind of all about, our passion for technology. And when we say technology, I don't just mean computers or our iPhones or iPads. That's the most current stuff, and it's easy to talk about that stuff. But you see how animated we get. We start talking about stuff from... 30, 35 years ago. I still, the excitement that I had when I opened up that 2600 was still fresh. In fact, Chad Perry, the original co-host of the MyMac podcast with me, we still do Geekiest Show Ever when we, when we have the time. Um, we, we did a video show, and we called it MacMod before that website came out. We called it MacMod, and the first thing that we did, and so far the only thing, probably the only thing we'll ever do, don't ever go watch this, by the way. It was absolutely terrible. It was four episodes of Mac Mod where we took an Atari 2600 and we turned it into a Macintosh. We took the iBook, the one with the three USB drive, uh, uh, USBs. Yeah, the, the Mac Mod. And I took, I ripped apart this iBook on purposely the wrong way because I figured it's going to be like American Chopper. This will be cool, but it'll be computers and we'll really screw things up and it'll be funny. And it's not, it was terrible. And we basically took the guts of this, and it had the, the CD that ejects, not just the, the disc, but the whole tray. So we cut the front of the Atari 2600, the faux wood, and we glued it to that tray. So if you hit the eject button on the Atari, it pops out the front. It was so cool. If you hit the power button, it actually turned the Macintosh on. So, it, and it was, no, it's terrible. I still have the Atari 2600 Mac mod. The, I called it the iAtari Mac. It's 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 really bad. Chris Siebold did the voiceover, and I told him to ham it way up, and uh, he did. And but we did that probably maybe ten years ago. And here's a funny story: we started an ebook thing at my Mac, and I called it Scroll Down Books. I had two authors, and uh, they wrote. One of them was um, no, 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 it wasn't Jeff. Hart. Um, oh, I cannot remember. Chris Siebold wrote using 
iMovie. And Neil Wharton wrote Buying Used Macs. And those were our first two books. And they were really well done. So I released these two ebooks. I send out press releases to the entire Mac web, and everybody links to me, right? The week before, I had come out with the iAtari Mac videos, and I was hosting these files on my computer, on the server. So I, I send all this out, and I, I'm starting to get this massive amount of traffic all of a sudden. I'm like, everybody linked it. This is great. The server crashes. And no matter what I do, it keeps going down. Turned out, we were slashed at it. A week after I released the iAtari videos, everybody from Slashdot was coming to watch these videos, which was on the server, and it completely killed our ebook thing because all the money that I was planning on making from the first day sales was going to go to a marketing plan. And all the Mac sites that linked us, it was a dead link. They couldn't get anywhere. So it just completely killed the whole thing. So the two guys who wrote the, these books, all this work that I did on the web to create the website, set up the e-sellerate payments and pay, pay everything completely wasted because I got slashed out of it because of those stupid videos. Oh, so. You know, one of the things you just said, which, which only brings back more memories, is you mentioned the Atari with the faux wood. Yeah. What's amazing is if you look at how things are built today, we look at the iPhone, we look at the iMacs and all that stuff, and any, any computers and what they look like today, and then you mentioned the faux wood. Remember those? What were they? Those those station wagons with yeah. the faux wood on the yeah. side. What they weren't they like country oh, yeah, squares country or square. right? And, and then there was computers back then that they thought computers should look like wood, and you had the Eagle computers. Remember Eagle yeah. computers? Their box was it looked like wood, right? It looked like a piece of furniture. It was the Wild West. It really it was, and that was. That was what was, yeah. Absolutely. Remember what happened to that guy? He got, he was the first IPO and I think he. He got buried in his wood boxes. No, I I think, yeah. They made a big one for him. He did, he did, right? Right after the IPO. Yeah. It's funny looking looking back and and we were talking last night on about defunct software and companies that when you would come to the Mac World Expo 10 years ago had huge booths. They were super important to the Mac community, and they're completely gone now. And how fast this industry really does change. Um, this is the second Macworld Expo now that Apple has had no involvement in. They do not have any presence, although I see quite a few badges from this says Apple, Apple people are here. Yes, a lot of badges. So the Apple people are definitely still interested. They're coming down. But Apple officially has nothing to Is that the lawnmower thing that we heard last night again? That was a different track. Okay, good. There's a lot of people at this Macworld. Were you at last year's Macworld Expo? Okay. Every Macworld Expo. Okay. What was your what is the first Macworld you remember well? The first Macworld I remember well isn't called Macworld. It was called Apple Fest. Thank you. That's what I said last night as well. And that was up in Boston. And uh that was absolutely incredible. I don't even remember the building it was in. It was in one of the big buildings. I don't think the building exists today, right? I don't even know. But it was it was called Apple Fest, and I was in high school at the time. And I, uh, of course, I caught, my friend and I we cut school and uh, drove up there. And uh, my parents didn't know until we got into a car accident up there. Nineteen <laughs> ninety. No. It was 82, 81, 82, something like that, right? And uh, we went up to Boston to, watch, to, to do that. That was, uh, that was an incredible experience. I, I was telling Tim I have a shirt at home, a black T-shirt from Apple that's all black. It says Apple Fest in colors down the side. I was actually in the booth at one time for that, for one, some of the earlier Apple Fests. So I remember that greatly as well. Yeah. Do you remember... One of the most amazing software companies back in those days, the Beagle Brothers. The Beagle Brothers. You guys, so tell me about the Beagle Brothers. So I was so into programming back then, and I'm not into any programming now, uh, but uh, Beagle Brothers made all these programming utilities. And I never bought a piece of software back then because I would always copy things out of Creative Computing Magazine, and you know everyone was pirating software back then. Um, but I really wanted Beagle Brothers software. What did it do? 
Well, the first product I bought from, really the only product I bought, and I still have it in the box, uh, was DOS Boss. And it allowed you to control the Apple DOS and do all different kinds of things that, you know, it had all these scripts that you were able to make the screen wipe and do all these different kinds of things that it allowed you to do. What was amazing about it was this little magazine that they always put in. is a little newspaper with, with all these cool characters that the Beagle Brothers were inv invented. And uh, you read this thing and it all had all these tips and pokes and calls and all these different things. To this day, I still have it. I saved up all my money. I thought I paid for it. I thought I had it. And I didn't know there was something called COD. There was a COD charge. So I got home from school. And on, on the table is this thing. And I still have it. My mother wrote across the box, you owe me $3 for COD. And I still have that thing to this day, the Beagle Brothers. And have you paid your mother the three dollars? I did. I did pay her. <laughs> I did pay her? Oh wow! Speaking about Apple Fest, that's wonderful. Uh, so let's move up to 2011, which still is kind of weird to say. 2011. I, I'm really, I don't know if I'll ever get used to saying 20 anything. What are you writing on your checks? 2011, okay. but yeah, still. Um, yeah, checks. What's a check? Yeah. I don't have any money. Um, personally, I think this has been a very impressive MacWorld Expo. It, it, at least as far as the crowds, this was the expo. Last year was all about, and I said this on an earlier podcast, last year was all about, yeah, Apple's not here, screw Apple, we could do a podcast without them. Woohoo, let's go, let's all, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, expo without, we, we can do it, we don't need them, we're all going to rally behind it, yeah, we're going to go. This was going to be the expo to see if that's really true, because... Every other expo Apple's ever been involved with that pulled out, it lasted one show. The second show was complete disaster, and that was it. I don't think that this is going to be the last Macworld Expo. According to the crowds that I saw, I'm quite impressed. I mean, it looks really impressive. There's a lot of booths. It's crowded as heck. What's your thoughts? I mean, you're a veteran. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly seen much bigger crowds and much bigger, bigger things when it filled up North and South Hall. And I even remember days when Micro Warehouse was in the hallway. Um, I mean, it was, it was something pretty big. I, I was very impressed that they were able to pull off last year's Macworld. So I was confident that this year they were going to at least attract the same, if not more, and I think that they actually did a great job this year in attracting a huge number of people coming in there. I understand that, uh, from what I'm told, I don't know what officially it is, but I understand that there are more vendors this year, and we have more floor space, although it doesn't seem that way. It's an illusion. Um, but I'm, I am definitely very impressed with what they did. I don't think this is the end of Macworld. So as a veteran of Macworld... You're not a podcaster yourself. You're you're not writing on Mac Web, so you're not like a pundit or anything. And I'm going to say, but yet, <laughs> um, and we'll talk about that in a second too. How would you encourage people, or would you encourage people to come to a MacWorld Expo? I keep I get email every year at this time from people that listen to our podcast or or look at the pictures, or if you keep scrolling with the iPhone, it's going to stop on. <laughs> That's okay. Um, how do you convince them to come? Or do you, it's not my job to to get attendance up at MacWorld, but I keep telling people you really need to come to MacWorld. If you're a Mac guy, you really need to. How would you convince someone? What's the reasoning for anybody coming to MacWorld that's a Mac fan that's never been? I think if you're a Mac fan, I think coming to MacWorld is all about exploration. I mean, you have a computer. Um, you probably, if you have the computer, you have an iPhone, you have other Apple peripherals probably. Um, but it is about exploring the power of the computer and what it really can do for you. You're very limited to a degree in what you can see at the retail channel. Um, certain retailers carry th some things and others carry other things. And I think when you, you, you come to Macworld, you get a real idea of what you can do with this computer and how much more you can do uh, than, than anything else. I would have to agree with you. One of the things that really irritated me when they asked Apple why they weren't going to come, and, they, and their answer was, oh, you can see all this in our stores. There are things on the floor down there you'll never see. The majority it, of 
majority of stuff, I agree with you, you'll never see in an Apple store. And this is the place to come to see it. And, and it's amazing how much stuff there actually is. My canned answer usually when people ask me that is I say, uh, it's great to see all the products and stuff. But quite frankly, um, three months after the expo, you're not going to remember half the products you saw. I, I doubt if you remember 99% of the products that you actually looked at. Unless you actually buy something on the showroom floor. Don't you keep that bag of stuff? Yeah, I do keep the bag of stuff. Um, and in fact, I still have my bag of stuff from last year that half of it's still wrapped. Um, my canned answer usually is most real passionate Mac fans don't have other passionate Mac fans anywhere near them. Their work friends don't give a crap about their passion for the Mac. Their wife really doesn't give a crap and she wishes she would he would pay money on other stuff um this is the event that you come to to meet like-minded people that if you thought you were passionate about this you haven't really seen anything yet because there are some crazy people but they're fantastic people and you meet other look i met you today and you you just don't have the opportunity to meet other you can go to the apple store and but those are other customers. They're not, for the most part, rabid Mac fans. This is the only place in the entire world now that you're going to get together with a lot of other Mac fans, and they're going to tell you what they're doing with their computer, and you've never even thought of that. You didn't even think it was possible. They're going to show you stuff that's just simply amazing. Is that still your experience all these years coming to Macworld? I think so. I mean, I, I think that uh, – I, I actually, I would totally agree with you. Um, I don't know how it, I would – honestly, I don't have anything else to say. I, I would agree with you. <laughs> and revenge part two. <laughs> so, so we're going to wrap up Tech Fan this week or this, this night. I guess we're probably – I don't know if we're going to do another one tomorrow night. Today Is today Thursday or Friday? Okay, so I will not do a Tech Fan tomorrow because at this point tomorrow, I'll actually be at the airport getting ready to catch the red eye to Chicago. So I'm hoping it'll take off. It's not that I hope that it takes off. I hope it'll land. That's kind of more important. Um, that, yeah, a lot of places. So I have to check online to see if my plane's held or not. Um, the next tech fan will probably be delayed. I doubt if I'm going to do another tech fan next week because um, other commitments. If I do, great, but don't count on one is what I'm basically saying. Uh, so... so it, what I'm really looking for is absolutely some feedback from you guys on um, what was your favorite gadgets. You know, I'd love to share your stories. I would give you the Skype number that you can call, but I don't remember it offhand, and I'm too lazy to get up and look on the computer. So check show notes for uh, this episode of Tech Fan. There's a phone number, call, and leave a voice message. I'd really like to know what your favorite gadget of all time is, and we'll share it here on the show. If you don't want to leave a voice message, send me an email. I'm talking to you, Scott Wilsey, because you're, you're doing a podcast yourself now, and I know you're listening. So, Scott, what was your favorite one? Neil Wharton, tell me what your favorite gadget, not necessarily computer, because I know Neil Wharton is listening because he was asking me to look for a, uh, um, what do you call it, telescopes, Mac software telescope stuff, and I couldn't find this stupid company. I know they're there yeah, somewhere. Saw you saw them? Okay. Hi, Neil, I've been looking, I swear to God. I just didn't find him yet. Mine, okay. I'm going to find him tomorrow. I'm gonna, he wants a review copy, so we'll get him. Um, I really like to know what your guys' favorite gadgets of all time is. And uh, the story, not just what the gadget itself is, because as interesting as that is, I want to know the story behind it, why that's your favorite gadget. Because, Ira, I think that's more important. The story behind, yeah. Oh, mine wasn't a TRS-80. Well, that's great. Why was it your favorite? That's the story that I want to hear. And I think that we all have those stories in us. So I'm very, there will not be prizes. Ira might come and visit you and refuse to pay you your Siberian Outpost commission check. But <laughs> actually, we're not, you know, here's, here's the thing. We're not, I don't, before we do wrap up the show, because um, I said I was going to get to this real quick. Ira was uh, at the table where we're eating tonight. Uh, this kind of this Mac writer's Adam from uh, Tidbits put this together. There's a lot of people there. Uh, yeah, so like Andy Anako was sitting behind me, and Sam Levin was there, and you were there. There's a lot of people. And um, 
the subject of podcasting came up, Ira, and you were talking about you would really like to start a podcast. So I'm kind of curious, what kind of podcast are you interested in starting? Doesn't necessarily, and just because you stay here on the show doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be, you know. But what what's the what's, <laughs> what 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 kind of podcast are you kind of interested? He is. I we're going to scare him off real soon. What's the podcast that you're interested in starting and? Why haven't you started a podcast yet? Because it's so damn difficult. I mean, look at us sitting around here with a microphone and an iPhone. Really difficult. Why aren't you podcasting yet? You uh, are podcasting now. Look, he's, look he's, he's holding the mic. Up until two weeks ago, <laughs> I had other commitments. So I didn't really have time to even think about something like this. But uh, my idea of podcasting is uh, this kind of show that I would want to do is basically talking about the state of the industry, uh, what what retailers are doing, what manufacturers are doing, uh, and and really how to uh, market products and and things of that nature. What 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 people are doing in advertising and and, and really it's just yeah, it's just it's just industry stuff. I don't I don't know exactly who would listen to it. I su- I suspect that I'll start out one way and. You know, months later, it'll be something completely different. But it definitely intrigues me. Uh, this has been a great experience. I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but this has definitely been a great experience, and I, I would like to do it again. Yeah, that's the thing. When we were sitting there, Owen, Ira was saying, you don't know anything about me. He didn't even, I, I, he didn't even really want to come. We really had to drag him here. And he kept saying, you don't know anything about me or what I do. How can you have me on a show? It, and he kept wanting me to say, well, what are we going to talk about? Give me something. i got to be prepared. And that's not the way I roll. <laughs> I know for a fact that when I sit down with a microphone with someone that I find interesting, a good show is going to follow. And even if the person on the other end has never podcasted and um, or is nervous about it, I know I'm going to be able to get them to do a show. On the MyMac show, what I had started uh, about a year before I actually left doing the MyMac show full-time was it was called Listener Invite because I wanted the story of the people listening. And it goes back to the reason that I wanted people to come to Macworld. They don't have a chance to talk and really geek out about the Mac with anyone near them. Well, here it is. Get a, a halfway decent microphone. It could be the you know, little USB headset thing or a blue mic. They don't cost a whole lot. Get a decent microphone, jump on Skype, and join us for a show. And we call it the Listener Invite, and it was phenomenal. The conversations that we were getting out of people was just phenomenal. And they always started out nervous. We always tried to, you know, it's just a bunch of Mac guys talking like it is right here. It's just a conversation. It's not Casey Kaysen, welcome to the top 40, and Owen Rubin, it's Ario Speedwagon just for you. It's not that. Number no, no three. It's not that. It's just, it's just like-minded people talking, but not completely like-minded so everyone agrees on everything because we all have different experiences. You might be passionate about Photoshop. I might hate Photoshop. It doesn't matter. We come together and we talk about and just geek out. And that's why I knew getting you here might ignite this podcasting passion because if there's one thing that I like more than podcasting myself, it's getting other people into podcasting. And you can attest to this, Owen. The MyMac.com podcasting network is five shows strong right now. We're looking to expand it, not because, oh, it's going to be a big revenue generating, blah, 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 blah. It actually costs me money to do that. It's because I really dig it when people start podcasting because – they're going to be passionate about it. And if you can get over that initial couple months hump where no one's listening to your show <laughs> and it's not going quite as well as you thought, and like I told you earlier, your first 10 shows are going to suck. But once you get past that and you for, you stop thinking about, i got to make a good show, it's got to be good, and you just make a show, that's when it gets good. That's when the audience finds you. That's when your real personality will come out. And Apple's done a really great thing by putting in this podcasting directory. And they're almost completely hands-off, unless it's really hate speech and stuff like that. They're just hands-off. And it allows people to find you and find your show. And it really doesn't cost you anything to get there. And we have these great devices that people are going to be listening to you, like they're listening to me right now, driving to work in their car. 
They're, they're going to listen to half the show on the way to work and the other half on the way home, and you're their companion for that drive. And it's a really cool feeling when you start getting feedback. It's a really great thing. So really, seriously, start podcasting. Don't wait till you come up with the idea or I, I want to find my theme music before I start. Just start podcasting, I swear. You'll fall in love with it. Because I, I could, when I was listening to you in the restaurant, I was like, you'd be perfect for podcasting. Um, New York accent, notwithstanding. <laughs> and there was number four. So, so <laughs> what accent? <laughs> so, with that, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll see you either next week or the week after. Depends on how my schedule goes. Make sure you listen to the MyMac show tomorrow for part three, the final day of the Macworld Expo. It will be live. Well, the, sh- the next Mac My Mac podcast won't be live. We will be live tomorrow noon Pacific time. So that's what uh, three o'clock Eastern Standard. Three o'clock Eastern Standard. I know people listen to this literally all over the world, so I'm not going to figure it out what time it is. Noon Pacific time. We're going to go to MacWorld.com, the magazine's website. They've got a video running, and Guy Searle, the host of the MyMac.com podcast. And I will be doing a show live from the stage, and uh, hopefully it's a good show. I don't have a whole lot of plans for it, but there's nothing new there. I didn't last year tell this episode. I had no idea what this episode was going to be, and here we are. We still don't. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you very much. Uh, Give us your contact info. Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter yet. Got to get on Twitter, man. I will eventually get on Twitter. Uh, I am... Not on Facebook. Ira, thanks a lot for being on the show. Seriously, it was it was a pleasure to have you here. And if you enjoyed it, there's a thing called Skype. You can join us again sometime. And Owen, thanks a lot for walking around on the showroom floor with me today. It was really cool to hang out all day long and now all night long, it seems. Um, People are talking. We, we got it. I know. Well, I was. <laughs> Let's keep that to ourselves, though. Um, parting thoughts, Macworld Expo this year. So I'm sorry I'm not going to be there for the last day to see you guys have some fun on the stage and then make funny faces in the audience to try to break you up. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I must say there wasn't anything that just knocked my socks off. But on the other hand, the people did. It was just packed in there. In fact, we got told that today we couldn't roll our little roller carts around because we were tripping people as we were walking down the aisles with these roller carts. So they made us carry them inside. And so that's just a good problem. It was so crowded. But there was a, it was good to see a lot of, of the small vendors, the small vendor booths on both sides. One side of the show had Mac vendors. The other side had I. OS vendors and they were always crowded it was tough to get in to see those guys a lot of people, there was a lot of great stuff HP's got some very cool stuff that we're going to hear on the MyMac podcast with uh, ePrint and AirPrint two incredible new technologies you have to hear about there uh, Dr. Bot's got some very cool stuff you have to check out, so yeah I, there's a lot of stuff, I'm going to spend money, I know that much I saw a lot of stuff I want to buy Yeah. so with that we're going to wrap up the show, make sure you follow me on Twitter, it's at MyMac I know it's, it sounds like the official MyMac's Twitter feed. It's not. It's my feed. So, at MyMac and send us email, feedback at MyMac.com, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>